You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 65. You stop questioning. You, you stop the mind chatter because things are completely different. When you have this kind of calm, quiet confidence, you don't go out and question yourself anymore. It's a really cool feeling to have that in your body. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Happy New Year, and thanks for joining the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and am curious about the goals that you have set for yourself for this coming year. Now, certainly, we can set goals and work to expand into our greatness each and every day, but there's something about the beginning of a year that sets the stage for us to evaluate and look at what we might want to do differently, how we can stretch into new goals. One of the things that can get in the way of that is self-doubt. And our guest today is going to talk to us about how we can conquer our own self-doubt, as well as help our clients reduce self-doubt and build self-confidence. Louisa Jewell is a speaker, author, and well-being expert who has facilitated thousands of people toward greater flourishing, both at work and in their personal lives. She's the founder of the Canadian Positive Psychology Association and a graduate of the Master of Applied Positive Psychology program at the University of Pennsylvania. Her work has been featured in Forbes, The Globe, and Mail, Toronto Star, Huffington Post, and many more publications. She's also a contributing author to the European Handbook of Positive Psychology, Psychology at Work, and Positive Psychology News Daily. Louisa is our author of the new best-selling book, Wire Your Brain for Confidence, The Science of Conquering Self-Doubt, which was just released this past September. So Louisa is so generous with her expertise and gives us solid tips, tools, strategies, and resources that we can use in wiring our brain for confidence and conquering self-doubt. Let's go to our interview with Louisa Jewell. Lisa, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you with us today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Meg. Oh, you know, I have actually heard of your work for a while and then had the pleasure of hearing you speak. And you were gracious enough to, to share your wisdom with this audience as well, because I believe that the work that you do is so vital to our work with clients. So you had a new release of a book, and I want to congratulate you on that. 
so exciting to get like the product in your hand and be able to to share that. And it's re, it's wire your brain for confidence, the science of conquering self doubt. That's right. All of that is just like wow. Give me some of that, and get, actually give me two servings of that. So, <laughs> can we start first with just a little? What led you to writing this book? Well, write this book is. You know, I always knew that confidence and happiness went hand in hand because when I was very, very young and living at home, my parents fought all the time. And one day after a particularly difficult fight, I found my mother crying at the kitchen table. And as I I had seen her do that many times before, Uh, but this time I went to her and I said, what are you doing? You're very unhappy in this marriage. You know, why don't you leave? Wow. How old were you? I think I was about 18 at the time, like 17 or 18. I was a a teenager. Mm -hmm. And she she said, well, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? I have a grade six education. You know, I have four mouths to feed. I, I can't go anywhere. And I realized in that moment that I never wanted that to be me. I never wanted to be trapped in a situation where I couldn't be happy and whole and live the life that I wanted to live. Make the choices that worked for you. Exactly. So I really worked hard to do well, to go to university, to get a good job. I always wanted to make my own money and be independent. And so from the outside looking in, I was always really confident. But then I would go home at night and I would question everything. I was just so overwhelmed with self-doubt. I would ruminate over everything that happened during the day. So here I was confident, seemingly confident, and yet so filled with self-doubt that I really was not happy. And my ruminations really caused me to become depressed. And the thing is, is that I heard this time and time again from lots of other women, you know, women who had six university degrees, and were still saying things like, well, who am I to go after that board position? Or who am I? And I think, what do you mean? Who are you? You're so highly accomplished. So I started to understand that it was a really common experience for a lot of very accomplished, very bright, seemingly confident women. So I thought there must be different kinds of confidence. And when I did my master's degree at a, a, of applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, that's when I realized that there is a different kind of confidence known as self-efficacy. And that kind of confidence really is a more action-oriented confidence. It gets us into action. And I thought confidence without action gets you nowhere. And so I thought that's what I'm going to write about. I'm so excited to bring that formula to people in this book. So yeah, so I was really thrilled when it was finally done. Oh, yeah, because right there, I wonder what completing your book and actually having the product, what that did to the those voices that sort of drain that energy. And when you did begin this work, what did that do for that energy draining sort of self doubt that was occurring prior to that as you dove into this work? What kind of impact did that have on you personally? Well, first of all, the rumination stopped. So I actually trained myself not to ruminate anymore. So when you start to practice all of the things that I, I talk about in the book that I have done, you know, over the last 10 years, over the last maybe 12 years, maybe even longer, 
you stop questioning. You, you stop the the mind chatter because things are completely different. When you have this kind of calm, quiet confidence, you don't go out and question yourself anymore. It's a really cool feeling to, to have that in your body. And so I think that was the, mo- the most important shift that happened to me that I could be confident and happy because I didn't have those voices in my head anymore. So when you put this research into this book to bring practices forward for people, what are some what are some of the things that you share with others to create some of this action-oriented confidence and move away from the rumination and the self-doubt? Well, so first of all, to room to move away from the ruminations, you really have to change your self-talk. And if you want to change your self-talk, you know, first of all, it starts with self-compassion. So you have to really believe that you deserve it. You have to really believe that you can be kind to yourself, that it's okay if you screw up. Because what we know from the science is that competence breeds confidence. So if I'm going to go out and try something new, it's normal for me to have self-doubt because I've never tried it before. I am going to think to myself, well, can I do it? Can I not? And then if I haven't done it before and I know a bunch of people are watching or I'm going to put myself out there in my community and be in front of my peers while I do this, like say I'm going to put out a new workshop that I'm going to start marketing, everybody's going to know that. And what if I fail? What if I? What if nobody signs up for it? What if it's a terrible workshop? I've never done a workshop before. I don't know if I can do this workshop. It's totally normal for us to have those questions because we've never done it before. Mm-hmm. So self-doubt is really only a problem when it becomes chronic, when we are constantly questioning everything, even stuff we've done for years and years and years, we're still questioning. So if you're starting something new, my advice is always to practice. So if I've never done a workshop before, if I've never put something out there before, it's to take maybe instead of, because a lot of people say, well, I can't go out and practice because I still don't even have enough confidence to put myself out there. So I'm stopping myself. So that doesn't really help me. And so what I say to people is then take a baby step. You know, maybe before going out and doing this big workshop, why don't you just try to get a few girlfriends together and let them try the workshop, you know, in your home Mm -hmm. one evening. You know, that's kind of really a much less threatening thing. Mm -hmm. You know, your friends are going to be okay. You you know, they're going to be receptive. Uh, Get them to give you some feedback. You'll build your self-confidence because you would have already done it once. Mm -hmm. So when when we go out and do things and we're successful at it sends a very important message to our brain. You've done this before. That means you can do it again. So if you can take a small baby step, ask yourself, what's a small yes that I can take towards removing this fear of doing this workshop? If that's a small baby step that you can take, then try that. And again, that will get you feeling a little bit more. Maybe you're not feeling as confident. Maybe you want to have another group of friends come over. So you want to build your confidence a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Then maybe you're going to ask some of your neighbors, maybe people you don't know as well. Kind of move out of that, but start with the low-hanging fruit and kind of move and move. Exactly. Keep expanding. Keep sort of pushing the envelope on, you know, feeling a little more confident and, uh, you know, okay, what's the next step that will make me feel a little bit more confident that I still feel comfortable going after? 
And if you do that incrementally, then you will start to see that you will start to build your confidence because you feel like, yes, I can do this. Every time you do it, you say, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. And that just keeps building and building and building your confidence. And you're doing that through action. So you're not just thinking about it and sort of that analysis paralysis sort of thing. You're actually taking steps. Yes. Now, one good thing is to imagine yourself doing it. So that's another way that we can actually build confidence. If you want that action-oriented confidence, maybe before you go out and do your first workshop, you're going to sit and mentally rehearse it in your head. So close your eyes, envision yourself starting the workshop, envision yourself going through it, envision the end result. People are coming up to you saying, oh my gosh, you know, Meg, that was, that was the best workshop I've ever been to. It was so good. I learned so much. Thank you. You know, if you can mentally rehearse it, because we have an overlap in our minds between the neurons that process imagination and the neurons that process vision. So those same neurons are firing in our head. So sometimes if we're just imagining something, it can trick our brains into believing that we've actually done it before. And we see a rise in confidence as a result because our brain says, oh, wait, have I done that before? I think I have. So probably I can. And it was successful. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Because I I think even Olympic athletes kind of run through their course in their their heads or whatever, their race or their or their activity. Yeah, they do. They do. So, and that's a well, well known phenomena that sports people have been doing that for years. They mentally rehearse and then that helps them actually do better. And the studies, there's evidence that shows that people who mentally rehearse actually do better when they go out and do it. But it does still need to, at some point, move to action to to really build that confidence. It's a stronger effect. Yeah. So, I mean, imagining you can see an increase in confidence, but it's a much stronger effect when we've actually gone out and done it. It sends a much stronger message to our brain. And that that whole concept of it doesn't have to be, you don't have to rent out, you know, the largest auditorium and, and make your first step be this huge jump off the deep end. It, it can be those baby steps and incremental successes that build that belief in yourself. Whatever is going to get you into action, mm-hmm. ask yourself, what is one thing that I can say yes to? And if it's one person coming to your house and running through the workshop, then that's it. Mm -hmm. Do that, right? You know, whatever you can say yes Yes. to. Maybe, you know, my daughter, when she was young, she was doing this presentation in French and she got a whole bunch of stuffed animals and put them on the couch and presented to the stuffed animals. (laughs) Oh, good for her. Like that's, and, and that was her first practice. So, you know, if, if whatever it takes for you to say a small yes, Mm -hmm. go and do it because it's, it's highly likely that it will raise your confidence. Now, some people say, what if you go and do it and you fail miserably, right? So that's when you have to have some good self-talk to say, okay, so I did this workshop with my friends. They really didn't like it. So take yourself. And I I talk about this idea of practicing non-contingent self-esteem. And this is the work of Jenny Crocker at Ohio State University. And what she talks about is this idea that if you go and you try something and you fail miserably, and then you you attach your self-esteem to how well you did, 
then you feel terrible about yourself. You know, I did this thing. It failed miserably. I feel like a loser. I'm a loser. You know, I'm terrible. I'm not talented. That's contingent self-esteem. When we can practice non-contingent self-esteem, so that is, I go out, I do this workshop with a couple of friends, really doesn't go very well. I still feel good about myself. I say, way to go, Louisa. You put yourself out there. You took a risk. You tried something. And it really didn't go very well. But let's take a look at this and and still feel good about yourself. Don't let your self-esteem be affected by that. Instead, direct your focus on just making the workshop better. So what did go well? What parts of it do I think they really resounded with? Let's keep those parts. The exercises that really didn't go very well were these exercises. I'm going to take those out or I'm going to tweak them. I think if I change them, they need to be shorter. They need to be different. They need to be more lively, more entertaining, or people were falling asleep at this point. Maybe I need to put an energizer. Whatever it is, take your focus off of yourself and just keep the focus on getting better at the task. And if you can do that, then you get into action more often because you don't get hurt every single time you're trying it. And it's important to keep trying it because as I say, as you keep trying it and practicing it, you will get more confident because you're getting more confident. You're getting better at it. I recently watched Jerry Seinfeld on Netflix and you know he's so hugely successful. And he said, I didn't care if people liked me. I wanted them to like the material. And I thought, yes, that's non-contingent self-esteem. It's like, it's like I everyone still likes me. It's okay. They mm-hmm. still like me. I'm still good. I'm just going to focus on making that workshop better. So when we think about the work and wiring our brain for confidence, There's this element of, you know, our audience often works with other people. So we've talked about some things that we can do, and I'm sure there's many more things. And I know from your book, there's many more exercises. As as we look at, can you talk a little bit about sort of the comparison to the importance of doing our own inner work, as well as sort of bringing this work to others? It seems to me it's almost, I just like your perspective on this concept of sort of physician heal thyself first, or at some point deal with, with our stuff as well as maybe bringing it towards our clients. Yeah. Well, you know, as you say, there's many different things in the book in terms of all the exercises you can do. But if I'm going to, if I'm going to take a little shift and say, as a coach, what can I do for some of my clients? So, you know, certainly building our own self-efficacy and building our own self-confidence around our own coaching practices, um, I think is certainly very important because then we go after more clients. We build a bigger business for ourselves. We build a more sustainable business. We start to think about different things we can do. Like Meg, I'm sure it was a big step when you started to do these podcasts, right? Like, right? It's like, yes, my audience knows that it took me a long time. Yeah. So it was sort of putting the toe in the water and pulling back out again. Yes. And building. And now I'm just absolutely thrilled that I'm doing it. But you're right. It it was a process. Yes, it, it is. So just and now that you're on the other side, see, that takes confidence and courage to do something like that. And now that you're on the other side, I'm sure there's lots of coaches watching this and saying, look at Meg, look at how she's building her business, look at how she's doing more. And that's kind of inspiring for for other people to see. And so if there's 
coaches out there who really think, you know, there's more I want to be doing. You know, sometimes we feel so much pressure that we have to be doing what everyone's doing. And that's not the case. We have to relax about that. We have to say, what do I want in my business? Maybe I just want to be coaching one-on-one. I have a friend of mine who says, I don't, I don't want to do all the speaking. I, I just want to coach. That's all mm-hmm. I want to do. And that's absolutely fine. So choose what it is for you. But if you want to be doing more and playing a bigger game, you know, then ask yourself, you know, do I need to understand a little bit more about this action-oriented confidence so I can be doing more in my business and in my practice? And then one of the shifts, there's a, an exercise in the book where I have a series of confidence questions. And the confidence questions we use in coaching are solution-focused questions that we, that we use. And the very first question that we use in the confidence questions is to ask people, I want you to think about a time when you have done this in the past. What did you do then to be successful? And so when people are really not feeling confident and they say, oh, you know, I'm not feeling confident about going and doing something else, you can ask them that question, when have you done this in the past? And how did you manage to be successful in the past? And a lot of people actually forget that they actually have done this stuff in the past. Or something so, similar enough that they exactly. can gain confidence from it. Exactly. So then I then when people when people do that, they say, Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. I did this. I did this like six years ago when I was working at that job. And you're right, I did do something similar to that. Well, tell me about that. How did you do that? How did you manage to do it? What did you do? What were the steps you took? How were you successful? And there's a whole series of questions in the book about that. And when people start to answer those questions, again, it comes back in their brain. Oh my gosh, I have done this before. I can do this again. So sometimes just by asking some of those powerful questions, what we do is we actually build self-efficacy that way by bringing past experiences back into people's heads again. And that's a great way to build self-confidence with your client. And, And there's lots of other questions. I think some there are some really self-efficacy inducing questions in the book that get people becoming much more it's and it can be so fast i do this i teach at the university of texas and i actually get a group of coaches to ask the confidence questions and literally within you know 10 15 minutes the person's turned around so fast these questions can work like in lightning speed it, it can be really amazing to to watch And then when that person is able to tap into that success experience and begin to build some of that confidence, what can we do as a coach to sort of help that continue versus the negative self-talk sort of, you know, once we're away from the session and then the maybe the the talk starts again and, and sabotages the client? Yeah. Well, you know, when I hear things from people, you know, when people say, oh, I tried this thing and I'm such an idiot. You know, that to me, again, says, oh, geez, okay, they're calling themselves names, they need to change this self talk. So sometimes, you know, I I might direct them towards different books and resources that can help them reframe. I mean, I teach a certificate in applied positive psychology, we do a whole, you know, section on how to actually reframe your self talk. 
you know, we talk about what's the adversity, what's the, you know, how are you feeling about that? And then what's your real belief around that? Because if we can start to question what's the belief and start to shift the belief around that. So if I can change someone from saying, well, you know what, you're not an idiot. Like you have two university degrees. I don't think you're an idiot. I think maybe, you know, you didn't have the best strategy going into this thing. What's a new strategy? that you can use. So I try to get people to say different things to themselves by stepping them through that. And so I think that's really important. And the other thing is that we know from the self-efficacy research, from this, from building self-confidence is, is as a coach, it's one of your roles can be to be the encourager, to be the person who is always on their side. We know from the research that you need to have encouraging people around you. You know, if you have, you could be perfectly confident about something and then you tell your family. And of course, what are they doing? They're saying, well, that's a dumb idea. Why are you doing that? Right? You don't have the qualifications to do that. Do you know how many times that's happened to so many people that I know and so many clients that I know? So don't tell your family when your confidence is kind of fragile, right? Get your idea out there. Get it formulated. Unless you know this family member is really going to be very supportive. So So, be selective in your sharing if you're in that place of trying to build confidence. Exactly. But but what a coach can be is a coach can be that 100% encourager. So, of course, we don't tell clients what to do, but we can certainly encourage them. We can be the accountability partner. We can say, you're going to take that small step by December 13th. So let's, you know, meet again on December 13th. I want to hear all about it, you know, and Mm -hmm. to be that accountability partner, to get them into action, to be that person who's going to say, you said you would get into action. I'm here to be that person who's going to ask you about it. Because a lot of coaches work for themselves. Like I work for myself. Nobody forced me to write this book. Nobody said, well, hold on, you know, here's the deadline. Nobody forces me to do workshops. Nobody Mm -hmm. forces me to go out and do keynotes, you know, you know, this is all something that I need to do for myself. If I'm not doing them, they're not going to happen. So such a good point in creating that, that accountability support encouragement piece, and also being able to help your client do exactly what you talked about earlier in the interview, which is even so, so it didn't come off exactly the way that you wanted it to whatever step you took. So let's look at what you learned from that. What are the good things that can be taken from that? What are the things that maybe you want to tweak or look at differently? But being able to be that person to help get the client out of all the self-talk and have somebody with a different perspective to share with. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And to celebrate small wins, you know, to be able to say, well, yeah, maybe the workshop didn't go well, but you actually went out there and scheduled the workshop. Yeah, you're right. You're disappointed because you only had two people sign up, but I, but you rocked those two people, you know, mm-hmm. you did it. You like, that's a step you know, celebrate and bask the small baby steps. We don't do that. Sometimes we just look at the whole thing and we say we have all or nothing thinking. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I didn't have 30 people in my first workshop and it was a huge success, then it must have been a huge failure. And instead we say, no, like just the fact that you went out there and put yourself out there, huge, huge win, huge win. Yes, huge win. Yeah. So once again, time has absolutely flown. It always does. What in in looking at 
wiring our brain for confidence. If there's something in particular that I didn't ask you that you really wish I had, I'll, I'll let you sort of fill in any particular nuances that maybe are vitally important and I just missed them. <laughs> well, you know, I think what is really important to building confidence is having self-compassion, you know, and, you know, I wrote the book for everybody, but I particularly wrote this book for women. And I do find that women are particularly hard on themselves. We think we have to be perfect in so many domains of our lives. And it's just become an impossible task to try to be happy and being perfect in all of these domains. And so I really say that we have to be self-compassionate. We have to know that, you know, we, we, that sometimes life brings us really difficult things and we have to take care of ourselves and be mindful of that. And I think we have to say kind things to ourselves. We really have to stop the beating up. And we really have to understand that when we go out there and try things and we screw up, there's nothing wrong with you when you do that. You are, you know, people say, oh, gosh, I did this and I screwed up. What's wrong with me? I say, I know what's wrong with you. I know what the problem is. And they say, what? What's the problem? And I say, you're a human being. You're human. Guess what? As a human being, we all screw up. So if you think you're different than anybody else, than millions of other people, sorry to tell you, you're not that special. <laughs> like you, you know, you're one of us. People. Yeah. Flaws and all, you've got them. And so, you know, we have to stop doing that because when you stop beating yourself up, in fact, the research shows that you actually do better. You're more confident. You bounce back better. You're happier. There's so many. We think we have to be really hard on ourselves, but the actual fact is, and the research shows that when you are self-compassionate, you are so much stronger and so much more confident. Good, good advice. Louisa, I want to thank you for taking time to share your incredible book, Wire Your Brain for Confidence, The Science of Conquering Self-Doubt. Beautiful book, wonderful resource for both the work we can do within and the way that we can help our clients build confidence as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here, Meg. Thank you. Thank you. Louise's book is wonderful in that it offers specific strategies and exercises that one can use in conquering self-doubt and increasing self-confidence. So they can be used both for the coach as well as potentially exercises for fieldwork for your client. I want to thank Louisa for joining the show today and sharing her work with us. She is also offering a free ebook for our audience called The Rumination Cure. She talks about how when we ruminate about things, it pulls us away from self-confidence. And the link for that free ebook is on the resource page at starcoachshow.com, along with more information about Louisa and the work that she's done and her new book. You know, I talked about at the beginning of the show that a new year offers new opportunities. And one of those opportunities that I'm going to be putting into play is a full training program, a two-track training program through the Star Coach membership site, both in business and in core competency. So stay tuned for more about that. If you're liking the show, 
I would very much appreciate a rate and review on iTunes. Once again, I wish you all a very happy new year. And I look forward to spending this next year with all of you, bringing more experts, bringing their strategies, tools, and resources for you as coaches. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.